Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Let's Watch podcast, where we're doing our movie bracket, the first episode. I'm your host, James, with my co-host, Carolyn. Hello. This is going to be said in the opposite order, but uh, we'll be doing, we're doing the top two um, face-offs, I guess, matches. I don't know how to properly describe these. The first four movies, um, and I'll read this whole bracket section down. Um, so we'll be starting with Fight Club versus Deep Blue Sea and Office Space versus The Virgin Suicides, which is what we're doing today. But the other movies in this bracket are Boys Don't Cry and The Blair Witch Project, The Insider and Summer of Sam, Topsy Turvy, Man on the Moon, All About My Mother and The Mummy, Run, Lola, Run and Go, American Beauty and The Bone Collector. <laughs> so, Dunks, uh, do you want to start with... Fight Club and Deep Blue Sea, and you could pick which either movie you want to talk about first. I'll leave it open to you. Absolutely. So this was a, I, I don't know how you feel, but I felt that this was a really weird couple of movie matchups. It was like disaster <laughs> movie versus psychological thriller and like quirky comedy versus depressing drama. I don't even know what to call that movie. So in the battle of disaster versus psychological thriller. And the disaster um, is Fight Club and the psychological thriller is Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> Obviously, it's on like, yourself, specifically on you. <laughs> <laughs> so the Deep psychological thriller is watching Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, pretty much. Deep Blue Sea, though, I've never seen it. I, I know that you've seen it approximately one billion times. Um, I've seen it so I, much because of TNT. It was, I guess, in our minor age difference that it was always on TNT. And let me tell you, they edited some stuff out. Did they? Like the eating of the people. I did not remember the dismemberment. Dismemberment as uh, I was like, oh, that's weird. I never remember that because I guess they edited all that out. You just see like the shark munch them and then it would cut to the next scene or whatever. Oh, so like the guy doesn't get ripped in half and have his or lower the body float no. the camera. <laughs> no. And Michael Rappaport doesn't get like smushed against a wall for five minutes. That was horrifying. <laughs> it was so excessive. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Deep Blue Sea, it, it was funny because it fell into some of the tropes as disaster movies always do, but it also didn't, um, in some other ways. Like, I love the moment where the, well, actually throughout the whole movie, um, good old chef slash priest LL Cool J Preach. is like, <laughs> he's like, oh, like the black guy always dies. The priest always dies. The chef always dies. Like whatever. He's like going to die the whole time. And then I was like, okay, but they'll probably make him live. And then he gets chomped. And I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> but then he does. And he saves the day. So the best part, that's uh, near the climax of the movie. Uh, and before we go back to talk, like, I guess, summarizing the whole movie is that he, in order, his, he gets bitten on the, the thigh by this giant shark. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure the size of these sharks changes throughout the whole movie. And it's very confusing. He most certainly does, yes. Uh, so he's getting, like, dragged around the water while the shark is, like, on his leg. Um, and he stabs it in the eyeball with his cross, and it lets go of him. And then he, yeah. they get him out of the water or whatever. And then uh, in the end of the movie where the shark is trying to escape and they're about to kill it, there's a close-up on the shark's face, and there's no cross in his eyeball, and his eyeball's fine. Or her eyeball. I can't remember. <laughs> I was just like, I noticed that and I was like, mm, that that really summarized this, this movie pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because it's not like, oh, we had a real shark. How do we make the thing stick out of its eyeball? It's CG. They could have just 
put it in. Catastrophically <laughs> terrible CG. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I expected it to be worse. Like, I mean, obviously the sharks were bad, but the most of the other stuff seemed like it was just practical effects, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but, thought that the, actually out of the CG, the sharks were better than the CG humans. Yes, that is true. That is true. I think, it, yeah, the sharks were surprisingly decent for the time, I think. Like, I've seen worse CG now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, but it also, this movie also takes like, what, isn't it like almost an hour before the shark stuff starts happening and it's like only an hour and 45 minute movie? Yeah. So I guess we've done this backwards, but little summary of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically there is, um, our hero of the story who seems to be some sort of shark guru. I think um, he's he- supposed to be Steve Irwin. Yeah, pretty much. He's a diver and he's a shark whisperer and whatnot. And then they're at a research station and there's a couple of scientists. And then Samuel L. Jackson, I think, is the man with the money. Not really sure why he was there. Um, He swoops in to kind of check on the facility, that sort of thing. And um, basically, they've been genetically engineering these sharks to uh, basically to prevent Alzheimer's and get some cells, whatever. But the sharks suddenly become man-eating humans. I'm sorry. Man-eating humans. (laughs) And and trying to hunt down the scientist team. So that, I guess, is that in a nutshell. They make smart sharks. They make smart sharks accidentally by making their brains really buff. Yes. And there's three of them. And I don't really understand the difference between, like, the Gen 1 and Gen 2. They don't really explain that. They don't really explain anything well. No, even the whole, like, yeah, no, the whole first half of the movie, I was like, sorry, wait, what? What is happening? Not because it was confusing, just because it was, like, half explained, and <laughs> I just wanted to see sharks eat people. So. Yeah, they needed to get to that way, way earlier. It's also, um, how do I say this? Uh, pretty misogynistic. Are you talking about why the lady scientist just stripped out of her jumpsuit? And I was like... What is no, she well, doing? That, that like at least scientifically made sense because she didn't she needed the rubber on her feet, even though you know this the suit sealed her feet. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> I, <laughs> needed more rubber. It, again, it wasn't explained because I was like, oh, like she's trying to not stand on the metal table. Cool, but I mean, like her suit was wet and she was wet, and like it, it's none of it really made sense. And she's just stripping down. I'm like, oh, okay. And then when she. Puts the suit back on. She doesn't zip it up the full way the rest of the movie. Well, of course not. Why would she? No, gotta. You know what you're there for, I guess. Well, and also the lady who like <laughs> who lost her husband. I don't know typical... if they were they weren't married because remember they oh. go into her room later and they talk about her that she sleeps in there alone. Ah, uh, okay. You know what? Maybe it's like she's the lab student and he's the sexy professor or something. They're definitely so. an item. So she loses her mind once this dude dies, basically, as it always happens. She's, like, standing by the pool being like, no, we must not. Let's just give up and die. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> it's quite bad. Yes. But I got to say, my favorite moment of the movie was Samuel Jackson given Oh, this, this is a famous part of this movie. But, again, I haven't seen it. So he's given this whole speech about how he – well, first off, that he just says he, like – maybe killed some people. He just kind of drops that. And then he gives them maybe. Yeah. Like maybe. And he gives a whole (laughs) inspirational speech about how we shouldn't eat our friends. And then he just is like, I have a plan and gets nailed by the shark. 
And I was like, oh, I didn't expect them to kill Sam Jackson. But also it was hilarious. So I'll take it's it. It's when Sam Jackson was like, I don't want to be a part of this movie anymore. So kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Please kill me now. It's like the it's that's like the lasting thing from this movie is that it was nobody expected Sam Jackson to die. And then they kill him in such a brutal way. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. And then the other people also, uh, these people are supposed to be all very intelligent with maybe the exception of the chef. They don't. He's kind of introduced as kind of lovably. Uh, like a normal human, I guess, is the right way to phrase it. And everybody else is supposed to be intelligent. And they're all so stupid. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything at all. I how, what how these smart people apparently would like she, uh, the main doctor, who I don't know how to describe these characters without other than just like the redhead. Um, <laughs> when the shark bites off uh, Stellan Skarsgård's arm, um, for some reason he gets down real close to its face. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, he was, like, celebrating and then decided to, like, I don't know, stick his hand in his mouth. <laughs> like, yeah, and um, Steve Irwin, uh, Thomas Jane, decide, like, well, that shark just uh, ate my friend's arm, so I'm going to go get this shotgun and kill it. And the main doctor puts it back in the water for some reason. Yeah. Or well, she's trying to protect the research. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. uh, good job there, lady. And before that, they're, like, about to do the brain surgery on this shark, and they sedate it, and then the shark, like, freaks out. For a brief moment. And the reason <laughs> like, for not doing anything is it's a bad dream. Yeah. So <laughs> funny. Bad dreams. Like. Bad dreams. And we were skipping three sets of tests before they were doing. And it's like, oh, boy, these yeah. fucking morons. But like, I loved how dramatic, most dramatic death goes to Stellan Skarsgård for getting his arm chopped off, then like floating around in a helicopter in a storm. And then the helicopter explodes and blows up this thing. And he's like in the water and you're like, okay, so he's most certainly dead. And then like 15 minutes later, he gets brought in the mouth of the shark. Yeah. And thrown. Still alive though. He Well, he was, he had a respirator on. But Come on, dude. And then they just, yeah, shove him against the glass, which I thought was freaking funny. Yeah. Yeah. And then that glass cracks and then they all just stand there as it's like further cracking. And then instead of, you know, running to the door or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's also approximately 700 times um, water's coming through uh, a door and they have to get to like the other side of this room and all the water hits them. And they obviously just told the actors to like run while they throw this water, but they all fall all the time. <laughs> Especially like Steve Irwin. He must be a stunt guy or something because the way he was slipping and sliding, like they would not allow that for a modern day actor. I think it's because he was always in a wetsuit. So his yeah. feet were already like rubber and those things don't have a ton of grip when you're on land, right? So the moment yeah. he hits water, he's like slipping all on the ground. It's just like, oh my goodness. He was diving around, things falling all over. Yeah, they were all falling all over the place. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah, this is such a classic uh, good, bad movie. Like, I don't know when they were making this movie that they were like, yeah, this is going to be great. No, it's there's always a a realm for this kind of movie. Like people will always enjoy a good action, like a good disaster. Give me Twister any day. You know what I mean? I think Twister's a little better. Twister's a fantastic movie. Uh, did you like the shark camera? Oh, God, shark vision. <laughs> shark I, I vision. like literally wrote that down as something that I was like, I need to 
talk about shark vision because <laughs> it was like I couldn't see what was going on. No. <laughs> so shark vision essentially is is that it's a uh, like a a fish eye lens. You'll never guess they use that lens. But like a uh, cloudy fish eye lens. Like everything was really dark because I guess sharks don't have very good color vision, which is fine. But like I have good color vision, so please give me color to look at. You know? Yeah, just give us a steady cam. That's <laughs> we can yeah. figure it out it's from the shark vision if it's in the water. Yeah, and it was like so it would be swimming towards things and you're like, sorry, what am I looking at? Like I can tell that those are probably the people, or maybe they're like poles or suitcases or I don't know. There there's something there. What am I looking at? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. And uh how how big are in in your mind? How big are these sharks? Depended on the scene, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like at one point, when he's like riding up beside it and is like they're underwater. This is at the very end, and he's like holding its fin, and he like I don't know, does a backflip over the shark as he does. It was huge. Like it's it was like, so big, like twenty five plus feet. Yeah, and then its fin comes out of the water, and all of a sudden it's a dolphin again. And I'm like, sorry, what is happening? <laughs> Yeah, a shark would not breach water like that. No, and it it suddenly like shrunk. It was really weird. Yeah, or the fact that when they're in the hallways, the sharks are like ten feet, and but when they're in the open water, they're double. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I just love. I think my favorite thing was that the sharks didn't care about eating the people. I mean, kind of. At the end, it proved. Oh, they're all these animals. Whatever. But it was that they were <laughs> chasing them around the building and just having some snacks along the way, all so that they could bring down the fence and escape. <laughs> they wanted to be free. I thought it was so cute. I'm pretty sure <laughs> like, they ate them. Well, well, most certainly they did. But, uh, yeah, it was so funny. Like, I was watching it with my roommate, and we kind of had this running plot that the sharks are really just like – they're just trying to help, you know. They just they just want to go swimming and whatever, because like you know when the wife falls <laughs> off the ladder into the um, water, and they're trying to reach her and it's not working, and then the shark just like shoves her out of the water. It's like who yeah. need help? Like <laughs> as it's also in that scene, it she comes out of the water with uh, one leg in the mouth, mm-hmm. and then they 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 cut, and then both of her legs are in the mouth. <laughs> It took a second bite. I don't know, man. <laughs> and yeah, and it does that. Uh, although, to be fair, that was a different shark than the shark that ate the the lady doctor at the end. So, um, yeah, but that I didn't shark is the one that eats Sam that. Jackson. And so the shark eats Sam Jackson and the lady doctor and like bites them around the torsos. So it's like only like, I guess, lower legs and like, uh, like neck and head and arms are out of its mouth. Mm-hmm. Um and like shakes its head a couple times on or another shark comes in and rips Sam Jackson in half. And with the lady doctor, it bites her like in the side and shakes its head a couple times and like she splits in half. But when it bites LL Cool J, all it can fit is it's his leg. <laughs> 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 and it's not shaking and tearing him to pieces. It's just like dragging him around the water. Yeah. And it was the same shark. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the other people disintegrated <laughs> in like a couple head shakes. Yeah. And then completely eaten. Also, I found out that the um in the original script and the, they actually filmed this, that the lady doctor lived. Mm. It was supposed to be three people at the end, but they did test screenings and uh, they thought all of the bad review, like bad uh, audience points for the movie is because they all hated the lady doctor. Not that the movie was bad. <laughs> Well, she, I mean, I also hated the lady doctor. She was not <clears throat> she was not a very sympathetic character. And also, like, I thought she was just there to be the romance plot line. But there was no romance plot line. 
Well, if there was a little bit, it was more of like, she's a terrible person. And Thomas Jane was like, still smash though. Yeah, pretty well. No, he was like, I'm going to buy you dinner. Uh, so. uh, have that beer with me. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll convince you. And she's like, okay, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then when they find out she's like terrible and uh, brought this all upon them because she broke uh, like laws and stuff. He's like, wow, you're a terrible human. And then the next scene, he's like, hmm, so beer? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I love that she died. I was not expecting that at all. And I also love – she. what an idiot. She's like, oh, I'm going to be bait. And I'm like, yeah, okay, great idea. And instead of like, I don't know, dripping blood in the water or even just sticking her hand in or, you know. So in the original scene they filmed, she just stuck her hand in. That makes way more sense because yeah. this woman like freaking takes a running jump off the pier and starts swimming towards the shark and then is like, oh, wait <laughs> – it's going to eat me like I wanted it to. Yeah. And then the dumbass with the like harpoon gun is like, oh, no, it's going to eat her. Instead of shooting it and exploding it like I planned, I'm going to throw the gun aside and also jump in the water. Uh, yeah, that was a little. But then it was just so LL Cool J could save the day. Yeah. And he woke up and is like, oh, these dumb white people and just save the day. So. <sighs> yeah. So this movie's a a disaster. Um, I loved every second of it. Yeah. It's definitely fun to watch with people. Uh, because most of the time you're like, why is this? A, who? At what point in any part of this movie was this a good decision to make? Yeah, and then it ends with a shark rap over the credits. Oh, I love the shark rap. That's why they had LL. <laughs> like such a like. If you don't listen to the words, you're like, oh yeah, someone tried really hard on this rap song, and then it's about like sharks who want to eat people, and like it's bizarre. Hmm. Um. The reason why I think why we're both talking about Deep Blue Sea so much and not Flight Club at all. Fight Club. Flight Club. Fight Club. Flight Club. Can, yeah, okay. It's about it's a plane movie now. Um <laughs> is cuz we're I'm pretty confident in saying that we're both going to pick Fight Club to go through. <laughs> yeah, so we just need to let poor Deep Blue Sea get its like come up and <laughs> Celebrate it a little bit before we cross it so hard off this list. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe one of us will pick it. Who knows? Um but and obviously we're gonna uh, have to talk about like a more, so don't want to like use it all up now. Um, but I have one. When was the last time you saw Fight Club? Previous to this time, if you'd seen it at all, I had seen it. Um, probably, probably high school. So yeah. So I would say a long the, time. <laughs> yeah, I would say the same as well. I was probably like sixteen or seventeen. Um, yeah, is my memory. Uh, and it's still very good, mm-hmm. but some parts have aged. And not You're like not wrong. <laughs> not like um visually or like how they make it has aged. Like mainly just Brad Pitt, you know? <laughs> I don't think he's aged that much, actually. No, he was such a dapper young man in all the movies that he was in. <clears throat> he looks pretty good in this movie. He does. No, he really does. Yeah. Uh and uh the part I like is about if you don't know what Fight Club is, like, what are you doing? Carlo from Under Your Rock, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Um, is that the movie before this that Edward Norton shot was American History X. Mm. And he was, like, super buff in that movie. Right? So they, until they, until they did the reveal, before they actually did the reel, where you kind of figure out they're the same person, mm-hmm. um, they couldn't really show Edward Norton 
super shirtless fighting and stuff because it wouldn't make sense that he's supposed to be this like kind of meek smaller care like smaller like office job guy because he then would look like american history x edward orton who was like just as jacked as brad pitt was so it wouldn't entirely make sense yeah it's funny because they're like 90s jacked where it's not like this big beefy bane man it's like just no they're ripped yeah like so many lumps and bumps you know what i mean it's bizarre they're very veiny yeah they're they're like skinny buff you know what i mean yeah <laughs> Um, and I guess the part that, other than that, all of the actors look 20 years younger, um, which is weird when you see them, you're like, oh my God, uh, is mostly the, like the points of this movie that why it's so famous now, like the, like how it's been co-opted by the alt-right, mm. uh, even though it's directly criticizing toxic masculinity and that whole thing mm-hmm. is. But the alt-right always does that. They just miss the point. I know, but it just it, like it made me feel like a little uncomfortable because I was just like, "This is what we're going through right now," but in real life, yeah, it it was a bit creepy, and I've always found it a bit a bit unsettling. Is yeah, it's all these men, and like they're not skinheads, but like mm, some of them, um, yeah, this rough and tumble bunch of people who are kind of in this secret club, and especially towards the end where he's kind of realizing that he is himself and he's like at that cafe with uh helena bonham carter and um they're like oh you eat here free and he's like okay i don't really care and then the whole like kitchen is like nodding at him and like it's it's quite creepy because it's like he doesn't even want to be a part of their special club and doesn't even really know but they've kind of like just been like ah yes you are a leader and he's like okay i don't that's okay (laughs) like you know they all think they're they all think they're in on something special. And before that scene, he doesn't even know that he's in on this thing, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's true. I would also like say to that is that he he still created it because when him and I guess Tyler Durden, even though they're the same person, have that confrontation, um, Brad Pitt is like, I am who you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, uh, and I don't think the movie lets the main character off the hook, but I do think, uh, audience members have in general is like this guy still did this all like yeah he still built this plan like just because he had like a split personality this is he created this other version of himself that eventually like he wouldn't have memory of because he was mentally yeah. ill but he's still that person and it's also like oh how convenient that you created this other version and there's no consequences for it really because you're like it's not me i don't remember <laughs> like yeah like everything that he does, he, yeah, creates this mischief plan and whatever. And, you know, he's with some girl and he's unattached to her. Like all of these things are a real convenient excuse to take no ownership over anything that he does. Mm-hmm. And I like ultimately the movie does like he is trying to take ownership over what he does because mm-hmm. he does try to turn himself into into jail. Like he's like, yeah, like arrest me like I did this. So he does in some way try to do it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he gets out of that because I guess he's also corrupted the cops which is great um (laughs) it's and like and ultimately it is mostly about like the gen x i guess when they were our age now like that malaise of like their parents fought in the war and they don't have anything to do and it's like that young male rage i guess that's like not happening now yeah it's yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) strange that Uh, Yeah, I think especially these days. You're right. Watching it these days, it's not just, oh, the movie's aged. It's more, um, 
it's relevant again. Yeah. And I don't like that. <laughs> yes. I don't, didn't like it either. It made me feel it, like, I still think the movie's really good. Oh yeah. Um, but it, it it's the same thing with like another movie we have on this. It's like the matrix. Like they've both been co-opted by the alt-right when the, but the people, I guess some of them, I don't want to lump them all in is that are ignoring what those movies actually are addressing like what they're actually saying they're just taking them at like entirely surface level and then Mm -hmm. it's like right below that even though it's not very hidden it's like this these people suck like they're they're all shitty (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what you said about the skinheads is like it's like why they all shave their heads right it's like to make that allegory also there's lots of fincher actors in this movie it's it's funny there was um there was actually a scene where uh, he's like walking through the house or wherever he was. And that one guy has died and they're all chanting and they're all being creepy. And then he goes into the office and like finds all the plane tickets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me of mother when we were watching that the other day. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> right. Like it was a bit creepy, like kind of one of those, wait, sorry, what's happening? Why are these people all being a little bit culty and not making sense? And I'm going to just go be in an office while people are screaming downstairs. Robert so, like, Paulson. In death, we were all Robert Paulson. <laughs> yeah, like it was, ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, and like, it, like, there's a lot in this movie that we'll dig into as we talk about it more in other episodes mm-hmm. and stuff. But it is, it's a harder watch than I remember it being, mainly because like it was a, over a decade ago, I think the last time I watched it. And it was, as being a young teenage boy, I was like, this is fucking cool. That's the thing. Think about who we were when we watched it and our awareness of the world and maybe the climate in the world as well. But you're right. It's it's fun. We like mayhem. We just spent so long talking about how we loved Deep Blue Sea because sharks are eating people. Like <laughs> We like to watch things go crazy. And when you're a teenager watching this, that's what it is. It's, it's interesting. It's fun. And you feel deep and whatever. But um, yeah, watching it now, you actually see the, you know, social repercussions and you know, being adults, we look back at that and be like, mm, yes, if that were me, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it makes me, I, I guess, what David Fincher initially wanted is to make people uncomfortable with it, right? Because mm, he, he always says, he always says if he hears a guy say his favorite movie's Fight Club, he doesn't want to hang out with that guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, stay away from that person. he probably doesn't get the point of the movie, right? He's like, stay away from that person. Um, <laughs> they're probably bad, which is, take. but like, yeah, I just to wrap up before so we can save this for a later time is that I think all of the performances in this movie are great. Oh, I wanted to ask you one thing before is how do you think, do you think since this movie is about toxic masculinity and misogyny that it gets let off the hook with how they treat Helena bottom Carter's character? Um, that's a, that's a hard question. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, yes, I think that, um, she's treated pretty much like crap the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, but you're right. I think that people kind of shrug it under the rug, like, oh, well in a culture where boys are just running around doing this and beating each other up, like obviously they have no self-control and, you know, but what I do like is that her character kind of doesn't take any crap. Like, yeah, she's really mad that Tyler and Tyler are really hot and cold and whatever, but, um, but she's also knows what she's in for kind of thing. Like, and at the beginning when we meet her, she's doing the exact same thing. He is going to all these um, different groups for 
ailments that she does not have, like she's already that kind of whimsical character and stuff like that. But I think, yeah, no, I think she's treated like crap. And I think that they never really remedy that at any point. No, I think the only way they really get away with it is by kind of making her, um, like, I guess a stronger character in a sense, you know, to kind of be like, Oh yeah, she's fine. She's, She's dealing with her, this, this herself. She's good. She's good. We won't worry about her. But let's talk about these boys. <laughs> yeah, and like I, like I understand, like that's part of the movie is that mm-hmm. that that relationship has to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, with like the conflict between Tyler and Tyler, and then both Tylers with Marla. Uh, mm-hmm. But ultimately, like I don't think they really resolve that in a good way because she keeps coming back, even though she's treated like crap all the time. Well, exactly. Yeah, and that. She, I guess, doesn't know until the end of the movie that he's, like, running a cult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, I, I think they're all very good in this movie. And, yeah, I, 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 that's the part I'm, like, I'm struggling with. I just don't really know how to grapple with it. I, I'm sure we'll ha- we have to watch it again because I'm going to pick Fight Club over Deep Blue Sea. What? You are? Yeah, sorry. Surprise. Big upset. (laughs) I am also picking Fight Club over Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. um, We'll, like, uh, unpack more of that as it faces a stiffer challenge, maybe. (laughs) Excuse you. This was steep. I love sharks. I love disasters. I love people taking their jumpsuits off to not electrocute themselves. Um, It was the best movie I've ever seen. Oh, so Yes. And I don't know why she was wearing that type of underwear at work, but. Under her, like, yeah, under her jumpsuit. I don't know, man. And they had to do the, the far away shot just so that you could get the full effect. Oh, it's, it's that type of movie. They did not do that in Fight Club, though. The sex scene, the one time you see them naked in the sex scene, they're CG'd. Yeah, which is weird. But uh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, so Fight Club. Uh, goes past Deep Blue Sea. We'll talk more about Fight Club later because there's a lot in that movie mm-hmm. uh, that we really haven't even touched on, um, like Brad Pitt's hair. <laughs> All his hairs. All of his hairs. So the next one, or the mm-hmm. next two, which is really uh, a choice. Like, they're really like a a little different uh, ends of the spectrum here. I mean... <laughs> The the fact that they're matched up next to each other makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I will say out of the three out of these four movies, three of them definitely deal with uh, Gen X, like late, early, like late teens, early twenties, late twenties, like malaise and apathy. Yeah. So deep blue sea mostly, right? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, Steve, yep. uh, Steve Thomas Jane and Steve Irwin really is an encapsulation <laughs> of Gen X men if I've ever seen one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. They, they, they all kind of deal with a similar thing. Um, just different, uh, strategies, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So it's office space and the virgin suicides. I'll let you decide what we talk about first. Well, I guess we can start with, um, a bit of a, a recap. So <laughs> <laughs> office space is, I guess a bit of a uh, quirky comedy, maybe workplace comedy. Um, Basically there's this guy who has kind of had it with his job and um, through a strange series of um, 
he gets hypnotized uh, and doesn't really come out of it. He decides to reboot his whole life um, by just not giving a fuck anymore, which is charming. And um, <laughs> he kind of brings his friends in on this project as well because the company, um, everyone that he works for is an idiot. So um, <laughs> they decide to take advantage of that. So that's Office Space. And then Virgin Suicides is a Sofia Coppola movie. Um, Her first with a film. very Yeah, with a very young uh, Kirsten Dunst. And it's basically about a family of five girls who are, it's told from the perspective of the neighborhood boys. Curves. Uh, yeah, kind of just watching this family and uh, how they deal with their solitude and just being teenagers. And they, um, their younger sister commits suicide near the beginning of the movie. And it's them kind of coping, coping with that. So, yeah, a little different. A little different. <laughs> I will say, I really, really enjoyed like the first 50 minutes of Office Space. Like I really mm-hmm. loved it. I just thought it was hilarious. Like everybody can relate to working a job that you hate mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. hating your boss. Right. And it's just like this, this fucking guy <laughs> or the, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. Or the thing where you walk, you make a mistake. Bot. Yeah. And, and you get told about it a hundred times. <laughs> yeah. And by different people. And you're like, yeah, I know if you guys just talk to each other, this would be fine. I've already solved the problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, which, and I really liked it. And I thought it was funny. Um, mm-hmm. And then it kind of lost its, its way for me. Uh, like once he's like, well, they're, they're going to promote him or, mm-hmm. or like, they're still paying him, even though he's like barely showing up to work. Uh, and he's mm-hmm. out of his shitty relationship and seems to be in a good one with Jennifer Aniston. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it loses its way once uh, they decide to rob the company. And then I decidedly yeah. liked it less after that point. It's I, I find it interesting that you say that because I actually watched it. Um, <laughs> I did what you always say I shouldn't do. I watched 50 <laughs> minutes. Then I stopped. Uh-uh. Lived my life for half a sec. I had to go. And then I came back and I watched the rest. And I was like, am I watching a different movie? Because like, you're right. I enjoyed the first half. It was a plausible workplace comedy. They got the annoying boss. They got the goofy best friends. And they have that like a couple of work weirdos. And um, <laughs> then, and you know, the girl next door. And the next... Yeah, the next bit, it suddenly became, um, I don't know, a weird, like, mystical, he's hypnotized, and it it was like a weird twist there. And then all of a sudden, it was a heist movie, but a bad one? I don't know. Like, (laughs) yeah, it was weird. It was weird. It lost the plot a little bit. It, like, I kept being like, wait, sorry, what is this going to be about? Like I but never it didn't under- also choose to be about nothing, you know? Yeah, it, I thought that's kind of what, what it was. It was a movie about nothing. Although I do love Milton. I think he's hilarious. <laughs> he's a great character. Um, yeah. And the boss is also uh, as, a, as a great like comedy character as well. I, but I like, I also like, I don't understand why he ever told Jennifer Aniston that he was stealing. Yeah. Because he could just be like, why are you guys drinking? I was like, well, oh, they got fired. Well, exactly. Yeah. It's like, or we were having a boys' night. Like, there's so many excuses that you could come up with. And she'd be like, oh, okay. And then yeah. when you tell her that you're stealing and then trying to justify yourself that you're not stealing, even though it's, like, what you're obviously doing, but being like, well, mm-hmm. no, you're just stupid, right? Mm-hmm. He's not actually saying that. He's like, I'm not explaining it well. I'm not doing a good job here um, because he doesn't understand. But it was still like, why? Are, why? Why? <laughs> why? Why do we need to do this? 
Yeah, I, I found that whole <sighs> Jennifer Aniston. Her plot I found confusing because it's like, oh, she's the girl next door, but then it didn't really follow their love story. Really, it just also kind of paralleled her workplace with theirs. But then they fought, and then about the money, and then it, it was just it was just kind of strange. I was like, where is this going? <laughs> like, yeah, I honestly felt like they didn't have yeah. Jennifer Aniston for very many days. So yeah. they shot as much as they could with her. And then I assume she had to go back to friends or something. Yeah. Cause it was basically, she's in the diner or she's with him in a, like, car. In a car. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So although I did like ult- ultimately enjoy this movie, I just thought like the last, I guess 30 minutes, cause it's a very short movie just didn't quite do mm-hmm. it for me. Um, mm-hmm. And then I like, obviously, uh, with most of these movies, they don't really handle uh, relationships well. Or mm-hmm. I will say, as compared to Virgin Suicides, you can tell this movie was made by a man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, you slept with my, he hears like, what's his boss name? Like Lumbaugh, Limbaugh or something? I can't remember. Uh, Lund- Lumberg. Lumberg. She's like, you slept like with Lumberg? Ew. Right? And it's like, what? <laughs> and like, she yeah. rightfully calls him out <laughs> on it. And she's like, I don't care who you slept with before. Yeah, and he's, like, having dreams about it. And it's like, okay, yeah, the fact that she's had a sexual past. Yeah, the way the one guy, who's already supposed to be a bit of a, a dickhead, was like, oh, she sleeps with everyone. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. Because that had never been revealed in her character before. Like, it's not like – like, she literally is a girl-next-door character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was bizarre, that that whole bit. Yeah, and, like, like ultimately the movie does make him take culpability. But it was still, like, I don't – understand like like why is that the reason they need to have a fight but also only sort of he only apologized to her after he figured out that it was the wrong guy yeah like and he's like oh i'm so sorry i shouldn't have like i shouldn't have shamed you for that but also it was the wrong guy so blah blah blah. and it was like okay but would you have come to that conclusion if it genuinely was that boss man (laughs) yeah yeah that yeah i agree with that it yeah that part made, and then she's just like not in the movie again. <laughs> <laughs> she's on Friends. <laughs> yeah, she's like I'm going to go back to my other show. Um, but other than that, and like I don't think other than the uh, like the main guy Ron Livingston, the boss, and Milton and Jennifer Aniston, mm-hmm. I don't think the rest of the actors are very strong in this movie. I actually think they're pretty weak. I agree, and I think they they honestly didn't have much to do, like. I don't know. It it was weird. They all kind of sort of had their own plots a little bit. And I thought that they were going to carry on with their plots. But then all of a sudden it was like the main guy's like, oh, yeah, you're going to get fired. And then they just kind of joined his plot. Like they didn't go and follow their own lives. They just kind of were there. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, on, it, was, get... it was a bit bizarre. Although I did like and I do think this movie is a good critique on like corporate America where it's like if you just like, I guess, say what's on your mind and be proactive even if you're doing like a shitty job but also if you're a man you will succeed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and you can just do whatever you want especially if your boss uh isn't great at making if you have so many bosses that it just they can't make decisions then you can like get by without doing anything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then get promoted <laughs> which i do like i do enjoy that part of the movie and they do do the thing where it's like well, these two are our two best programmers, but we can just hire people who are younger and cheaper. Yep. See, that's – I liked that about the movie, but it also drove me nuts because it, it like, kind of made me angry 
because I don't mean I it's supposed to, I guess, but it's like, yeah, there's these dumb bosses who are like, this guy's done nothing. Okay. Give him a promotion. Cause we don't want to do anything either. And like poor Milton, I believe that's his name. As you said, um, gets sent to the basement mm-hmm. and like no one fires him. And like, it's, th- that's why I like him as a character. Cause he eventually, like he's this bumbling guy, um, but I like that eventually he's kind of like, no, I'm not putting up with this anymore. Like this is this is too much. But and I, and I get the point. They were trying to like get a rise out of people by like doing all this stuff. But I'm kind of like, oh, someone has to clue in and care, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, and it- that's the thing. The main character didn't ever do that. He was just like, oh, I'm going to just start stealing from the company. But it was never like, let's write these wrongs. Let's take it over. It was it was just. I wish he cared more. And I know I know the whole point of the movie is that. He didn't, but um, he didn't, and then he continued to not. Like, it's not like he had growth. Yeah, I think why I think the last 30 minutes affects us is because I think if the movie was entirely him just not caring and kind of, like, bumbling his way up a corporate ladder Mm -hmm. and, like, willingly doing this and just being, like, seeing how far he can get before somebody figures out, like, he's just doing this because he hates his job and stuff. Um, Yeah. And it, if the, that was the entire movie, then I think it would have been like fine as a critique on that. But when he starts stealing from the company and mm-hmm. they start to make it this like weird heist thing, and then I think it loses that mm-hmm. point almost. And I do think oh, yeah, like cause... the Milton thing is like showing like how people like this guy obviously has some form of um, mental illness. I don't know, mm-hmm. but like he's being exploited, like, right. Like that's the whole point of that. But then the way he gets out of it is by burning the building down. <laughs> so it was like okay that's a take yeah it's something but at least he did something that was my problem with the main character is that he you're right if he realized that they were just letting him do nothing and he decided to see how far he could push it that would have been one thing um but and that would be kind of a cool way to fight back i guess but instead it was just a matter of his his way of fighting back was still selfish like as a character he just was pretty selfish as a as a dude you know Mm -hmm. and like that the fact that he i guess finds happiness by working like a physical labor job at the end Mm -hmm. is like he's like yeah just work like a physical uh labor job instead of working in an office and this guy's more happy it just didn't feel like that made sense for that character no it definitely didn't because he was like a lazy character. Like it, it was weird. It was very weird. Yeah. And I, like, I thought the reason he hated his job is because he was doing the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And isn't like, if he's just doing construction, he's just going to be doing the same thing all the time, just physically, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I, I just don't think, yeah, I just think the movie loses it there. I do think it like parts of it are very funny. Yeah. Um, I especially love when they beat the shit out of the fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that sort of stuff and like all of the bosses coming over and talking to him about his cover sheet repeatedly. It's just like everyone, you just like such a mode of been like, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. I love that part. Yeah. And he's just like, and then you're there or I can't remember. It's like, he's like trying to talk to them and they're just not listening to him. Mm-hmm. It's like the thing in fight club where it's like, people actually aren't paying attention. They're just waiting mm-hmm. for their turn to speak. <laughs> yep. And this movie's just entirely that. Yeah. Well, and even the parts, like, yeah, I loved all the workplace parts that were so relatable. Like, when his boss, he's trying to avoid his boss asking him to come in on the weekend and everything. Like, I love that. <laughs> like, peeking over. Like, where is he? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and his friend like making a plan with him, the guy who talks to him through the wall. No, oh, I <laughs> we that I do like that character, but I guess mm-hmm. like he's just comic relief. Um I kind of understand why this movie is like a cult movie because I think it's very much like for a specific generation of people. Well, and um, people like movies, workplace comedies, like people like the IT crowd and like you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I think we're the last, like our age group is like the last people who watch this movie and kind of like understand stuff mm-hmm. in it. Because I feel like if you're in high school now and you watch this movie, you'll just be confused by everything that they're using. You'd be like, what, what, what is this stuff? Like you won't understand <laughs> like the pain of a yeah. fax machine that's not working or like a, like yeah. a, and that stuff. And like, I guess they use floppies. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so funny when they're like installing the virus and they have to move it around via floppy disk. <laughs> yeah. Um and that stuff, but I yeah, I don't know. I think it's just aged poorly mm-hmm. in that regard. Um but the first at least for me the first 50 minutes were good. Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. Um So another movie suicide. about <laughs> I guess apathy mm-hmm. in a way um, although differently mm-hmm. and younger, but the same generation, I think. Yeah. Just yeah, it took place. In- this movie took place in the seventies. Oh, it did. Um, I always thought it was the eighties. I googled it because I don't understand clothing, so I was like, "People in the nineties didn't dress like this, correct?" They did not. It took place in the seventies. <laughs> and then what the hell? Josh Hartnett looked like he was like from the two thousands. Well, but that's because Josh Hartnett doesn't understand style. But it, he definitely had that seventies hair. I think my mom had a boyfriend with hair like that. Oh, it was oh not wait, can my we dad. talk about this though? <laughs> can we call her up and just change the podcast and be like, "Please explain the seventies to us." <laughs> mom, tell me about the seventies and your and your partner choices and their hairstyles. <laughs> it's funny because she actually probably would have been about that age um, in the seventies, like the age of the daughters. Which one? There was like seventeen of them. Well, she was. Well, it depends on when it <laughs> when it took place. Um, I will not age my mother because she would be mad at me. But she would be within the age range of the daughters <laughs> of all five, five, six, five, six, five, five daughters, five, and then four. <laughs> well, and then zero. Um, I mean, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's in the title. I don't really feel like that's mm-hmm. a spoiler. Uh, but essentially, it's about I guess these five young girls and them wanting more to express themselves and being kind of trapped essentially mm-hmm. is I guess the basic plot, but it's about, I guess more of like a generation thing. Cause they also loop the men into it as well. Um, mm-hmm. And just about like it's, that generation's yeah. like difference from their parents and not really understanding where they're, or like they want this, like, I guess any teenager, you want the freedom, but you don't want the repercussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that the boys were in it too because it, it showed that it wasn't just a fam- familial problem. Like, I loved – the parents weren't bad people. Like, they were strict, but I'd say tolerably so. Um, I don't know. Like, I think that one decision those parents make is, like, pretty terrible. Which one? Where they take them out of school? Oh, yeah. No, that's not good. <laughs> but, I mean, in terms of, like, before that, like, it's – with stories like this where you're like, okay, it's a story where all of the daughters in a family are committing suicide, like you expect it to be maybe a little bit more of a culty type family or 
an abusive family or something like that. But what I thought was interesting was the way they tied the boys into it is like the boys clearly also are seeking something. Yeah. Like um, they just and, want friendship, I think, and affection. Yeah. And so they kind of pour themselves into um, trying to figure out what's going on with these girls. And also even years later, cause it's kind of them talking about it. Like they're look, it's all a flashback. Basically they're looking back on it. And um, the boys, even in the future are trying to figure out what's going on with those girls. So I, I thought, yeah, in general, it was a story about a whole whack of lonely people who, yes, had their own connections, like the sisters were tight and the boys were tight, but they could never really um, feel like they could fully express themselves mm-hmm. to the adults in their lives, to each other. It's, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, and I I would also say it's like about, just to add on to that, like I agree with everything you said there. But it's also just like about like them trying to figure, everyone trying to figure themselves out at that age. Um, mm-hmm. And... I guess in gen- in general, like the, um, I guess in the seventies or whenever this takes place, their inability to understand this new generation of people and that the fact that the youngest daughter is so obviously suffering from depression and nobody can mm-hmm. grapple with that in a way. She's like, she just needs to hang out with more people is like ultimately mm-hmm, what the, mm-hmm. the shrink says, which is you can tell at that point, like is not the right decision because nobody just, nobody knows how to handle this just because I guess they haven't. Mm-hmm. And it's like a small community. I assume is kind of what they, I get at. Cause everybody, I guess lives close to each other. Yeah. And it seems like it's kind of a wealthy, like there's all these debutantes and stuff like that. So everyone's, it's a small community. Everyone's at the same parties and you know, it's a, it's a type of people that hang out. <laughs> yeah. It's very like uh, upper white middle class, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, like I I I really like this movie. I, I definitely kind of like floats along like a Sofia Coppola movie for parts of it where you're just like what what are we doing <laughs> for like 20 yeah, minutes? Yeah. Like I don't really understand and then you're like, "Oh. Okay." Um Yeah. It kind of feels like you're watching all of it through a little bit of a a cloud or a haze, like partly the the way she makes her movies look, like the color palette and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um And that helps with like it's Rick it's, it's the narrator's like recalling all of this. So I guess that's yeah, what yeah. makes sense. It kind of feels a bit um, dreamy and not in a like romantic way or anything. Um, but I'll just like, yeah, they keep talking about how their memories, not their memories are unclear of the situation, but they kept trying to make sense of it. And it's almost like with the the way the movie looked, they were trying to still make sense of it, which I thought was an interesting parallel with like the movie is told from the perspective of the boys, which means you don't really know why the girls do what they do in the end. And, and it's, yeah, you it's get interesting because it's kind of, sorry, you get the jits, yeah. but it's like how the, how confusing death can be from the other side and how left in the dark people who are left behind are. Cause they don't, they don't know what's going on. They're trying to solve this mystery. And even years later, they're trying to solve this mystery. And I thought that was kind of, kind of interesting because it's you know people who kill themselves often don't get a chance to tell their story or their reasoning mm-hmm. so i did like like the choice that they made it these like very tertiary characters to the story um mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it kind of left everything it was like it left everything up to being like well you can infer this from what i show you mm-hmm. because if you're this person you wouldn't know what would happened in these this family's internal life like 
why these girls decided to do what they did. And you then after that happened, like these boys obviously wouldn't be included, like would t- wouldn't talk to the parents and the parents just left, mm-hmm. which is what would happen in mm-hmm. that situation and that sort of stuff. And like, I do think this movie, like it has, it has issues and like problems. I don't think it's perfect, but it does a do a good way of like bringing up things and then critiquing them and just kind of like letting you decide for what you want mm-hmm. there is because the parents are like very devout is or the mum is at least i don't know about the dad i assume he is mm-hmm. um but then they kind of just leave it up for interpretation you never we never really see them practicing but from like the well, way exactly. she makes them and dress it's not, they never i guess that's what i meant by like they're not they're not a bad family it's like yes they have their beliefs everyone does but it's never like these children are being punished for you know, sinning or being a whore or whatever, you know, that's, yeah, it it was interesting. It was, it was, I think it was hard to make a lot of the family because yeah, you often don't see them. You just see these girls shut up in the house and and you don't know what's going on behind the closed doors for the most part. Yeah. The one thing that I would say is like a little crazy is that they left their one sister at, at the dance and went home without her. Oh, I know. I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't like I have one sibling, but if I had three others and one was missing, I'd be like, no, we all go back together. Um, or it's yeah, like, did you well, even exactly. really like this person? Or you're just like, we're going to like throw it. Like she can get punished. We're not going to get punished. Like what? Yeah. Like, it seems like they waited for her for a while, but at the same time, like you'd be worried that they're dead. Like, <laughs> you know, like you would, you would worry about where they are. You'd go looking for them. Also, I guess there's no cell phones to call, but like, yeah. Also, she wasn't the oldest. No, she was 14. Yeah. so And the, there was 17, 16, and 15. Like, she was the youngest out of those four, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they would definitely go look. Just that's the one part where I was like, they would, there's no way you'd leave your little sister. Unless they knew, like, what she was up to. <laughs> I mean, I still don't think they would leave her, but. Um... No. Like, yeah, I, unless they knew what she was up to, but I just don't think they would have left, is my one thing mm-hmm. on that. And. Mm-hmm. I guess that that's the biggest issue is that and then it just made the rest of it a little less believable for me or mm-hmm. punishing all of the girls for one girl's mistake um, made like that was fine. That made sense from the way we'd seen that family. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't feel uh, super great about the boys with the telescope. No, it was a bit pervy. <laughs> a bit. Watching her sleep with It was with extraordinarily dude. pervy. Um, it, I mean, she was doing it on the roof. <laughs> like, yeah, true. She was doing it out in public. Well, and also, the fact... It, it was weird. I, I felt like the boys had an understanding of the family and the girls had an understanding of the boys because the the boys were the ones that they, they asked to come over when they were all about to, like, kill themselves. And I don't know, her doing it on the roof she maybe knew the guys were there. Like it, it, it's very kind of putting it on display. Um, maybe in a, in a way it was her um, calling out for help, you know, like. I mean, obviously, right. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. But like more blatantly to the boys that are across the street watching her, Yeah, you know, yeah. because at that point they were like essentially trapped. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, like they couldn't do anything. So like that made sense. And these boys, I guess to their credit, like, or I guess not to their credit, but they did try. 
they were like, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll help. Like you guys can leave. But I think or at least the movie tells me is like, they're doing this specifically because they want to hook up with them. I mean, yes and no. I, I throughout the whole movie, I didn't see them like kind of lusting after them or anything like that. Like, and even when they were watching them, yeah, they had popcorn and whatnot, but they weren't sitting there like slobbering all over it. You, like it was, it was weird. They seemed to me more just like curious about the mystery of these girls. And it really was the only, only the one comment the guy made in the basement um, right before they found everybody. And I don't really know why that was. I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah. How to explain that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. And I, I will say the one thing I, I, I really enjoyed, I really liked in the back third of this movie, I guess, is when before the boys go over there and they do this cut to all of them in the car driving like through like mm-hmm. a summer. It's the one time the movie's like very bright and mm-hmm. like it's still washed out a little bit, but uh, they're all in the car and they're driving somewhere and everybody cut. They all look happy. And then I was like, mm-hmm. oh, is this where this is going? Because that's nice. <laughs> it's, <it> was... <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's the thing that was sweet is the boys, when they were picturing themselves with the girls on all these adventures and stuff, I, I thought it was cute that they were getting the same magazines. Like they're trying to connect even if it's not actually in person, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they want connection with outside people just as much as the girls do. But it was nice that it's like, oh, we're, we picture ourselves going on vacation together and stuff. And it's not like they picture themselves hooking up in the back forest or anything like that. It's like they're all out having fun, you know? Yeah, they're out like on um, an adventure. And it just made me want to see that yeah. movie. It was also like, I think, intended to give people like that nostalgia hit. Yeah. Of being like, oh, I remember when like your first time without going somewhere without uh, adults. And it also makes it all the more sad because that time doesn't ever happen, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and like it's like the passage of life, right? As people, it's like you get older, then that doesn't happen mm-hmm. as much anymore. Well, as, as people get become more adults, then it's just normal. But everybody's like the first time everybody's like tra- going on a trip without anybody's parents. It's very memorable, which I think was the intent of that scene. And then obviously completely gets undercut with the next five minutes, but. I mean, yes. <laughs> when it gets, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's like I didn't feel sad because I, they tell you at the beginning of the movie what's going to happen. It mm-hmm. more of just made you kind of made just me feel like the like just like I wasn't sad that these the, these girls did this. I was just kind of like I took it more of like a statement on like a generation. I don't know. I'm struggling to find the words for it. No, I know what you mean because it's like, yeah, you see it coming. And again, it's it's like you're watching the whole movie through a cloud. So it's something that you don't – when it happens, you don't fully connect with it. But it makes you look back at the whole story and think about, well, why would they do that? Um, you know, like it, it – yeah, you're right. It makes you think about the movie in a way that – it's very hard to do, especially with movies about suicide. Mm-hmm. Like often it's so forefront suicide. It's the end. It's that's the peak of the movie and whatever. And it wasn't really that it was more of a, how, what, what would lead up to this point that people can relate to without wanting to, you know, yeah, do it themselves. Yes. <laughs> so it was weird because 
Do you, do you think it romanticized suicide? No. Or I know this is a big conversation in the days these days uh, with like 13 Reasons Why and stuff. And I think this movie would struggle to get made now because of that. I do think 13 Reasons Why has some issues with that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think this movie does. Specifically, um, at least with um, the youngest daughter. When mm-hmm. they show that happen, it's like pretty traumatic. And... They did like I really like what they do after that is like they spend you spend a lot of time in that house with those girls and you see the mm-hmm. parents kind of just like both failing rightfully like failing to address this issue because it's a pretty big thing that happened. But as like you walk through the house, you see it's like it's still kind of like a house still looks clean, but there's like plates left out with like moldy food and they're all just kind of ignoring stuff mm-hmm. and it's like trying not to think about anything. Yeah, and they're still trying to make the best life for their daughters. Well, even after the youngest daughter's first attempt, they're still trying to like, they're throwing a party and stuff like they're trying to fix it in, in, and they don't know how, but I think the movie did a really good job at, um, separating, like not, not romanticizing anything, but not exploiting anything either. Like, yes, it was dramatic when the, the first daughter died, but there's not, a full five minutes of sobbing on the porch and screaming and, and whatever and ambulances and, and, and then it kind of cuts to a little while later, like once the girls are back at school or whatever. Um, yeah. That shows like people so it move didn't on. Feel exploitative. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. exploitative. Like people move on, but they also like, they show the act of her suicide through the family. So mm-hmm, like, this is mm-hmm. what happens to other people when, de- when somebody makes this decision. Right. Because like ultimately, well, and that's the whole movie. Yeah, because because ul- with the girls at the end, it suddenly it it's interesting because it makes a shift. Because yeah, we watch the family react to the youngest daughter, so we're kind of watching that. And then once the daughters get shut up in their house, we're watching things more from the boys' perspective because that's when they kind of become a bigger role. And it, so it's interesting. You're never watching the person that's directly having the problems. You're you're watching people react to the people having the problems. Yeah, which is like how most people would interact with that. Like all people would interact with mm-hmm. that situation, situation like that because ultimately like the person who makes that choice is is gone and then it the people who are left are the people who have to pick everything up, which I think is how that stuff should be handled, right? Because, and I'm glad the movie makes like a distinct separation between the youngest daughter and then the other four, like their decisions for this. Because the youngest was obvious, mm-hmm. like as we said before, it's like obviously going through depression, like pretty severely depressed, severe depression. And then the other four, it is a result of stuff that has happened and it ultimately pushes them mm-hmm. to this place. Right. But it, it is still like they're still the ones making this decision to do this. Yeah. Like it doesn't like let them and it doesn't let any anybody off the hook, essentially makes everybody's like you understand why this choice was made but it doesn't like glory i don't think it glorifies it in any way you're just kind of like you're kind of just like yeah i see i see the reasons yeah and it sucks that nobody reached out to help them but nobody could yeah i mean the boys try but ultimately it's just like through magazines and like staring at each other across streets and stuff so yeah that's the thing they tried to connect with them themselves but never actually went to go over and go connect with them kind of thing and i, I think ultimately like isolation and being shut away mm-hmm. doesn't lead to a enjoyable life i write about that and 
I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. We ne- we're, we weren't a part of, a part of the older generation, but I guess it was trying to say something about that. Is like as that stuff happens, people get separated more and more. Yeah, for a movie about suicide, it was really uh, not about suicide. <laughs> like it it was somehow was able to detach you from the sadness of that and watch the sadness of I don't know a, a life without connections. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the right way to put it. Is that ultimately like at the end, those girls had no connections with anybody else other than themselves. Mm-hmm. And they had, which is why they all did it together yes, too. Yeah, and like they decided living like that wasn't worth it, but they mm-hmm. like they made that choice. So, mm-hmm. and I think the yeah, and I don't think the movie glorifies it. I think I understand why people are outraged about it, or like there was controversy mm-hmm. because of course there would be because you know parents would watch people would watch this movie and wouldn't get it and be like they're talking about our kids killing themselves. <laughs> Ban it! Don't let them see it. Yeah, I think kids can handle more than um, adults give them credit for. Like Deep Blue Sea. Like Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> I want to. Like, why did you see an edited version? It should have been the full version. Yeah, I think that's our good thoughts on both movies, and I think people could probably mm-hmm. guess what we're going to pick. But I do have one other thing I want to talk about for this movie. What the lack? Okay, first of all, there's lots of young people in this movie who then grow up to become, I guess, heartthrobs in some form of a sense because. Kirsten Dunst was this before bring it on or like around the same time I think it was before okay so like she was very close to blowing up and kind of being like a teen Kirsten Dunst yeah <laughs> but they also have Josh Hartnett who became like a teen or like a uh, our generation people liked him uh had Hayden mm-hmm. Christensen before he became Anakin had Jonathan Tucker who is like a TV actor now but I think it's hilarious is that they get all these three boys before they're like grown up. So they all kind of look like little kids and now they're all incredibly built. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we need to talk about how Josh Hartnett has a very long back. (laughs) His back just doesn't stop. It goes back to leg and there's no butt. (laughs) He, yeah, you're not wrong about that. He had a strange shape. (laughs) (laughs) When he's like walking down the hallway, I was just like, wow. That is just all back. There is like, <laughs> he's so bad. It's like, it's also like the way he's wearing his pants and stuff, but I was just laughing so much. I was like, this is Josh Hartnett. I have not, <laughs> I've not seen, uh, cause I've seen him now and he's like a, or like shortly after this, he was like the, a teen heartthrob. I think I remember like the yeah, Josh Hartnett was. moment. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really yeah. get it, but. I didn't either. He had that gap tooth thing and before it was cool, you know. He's got like eyebrows that almost touch. Yeah, he he's not cute. No. <laughs> but he doesn't look anything like he does in this movie anymore. No, no, he doesn't. He's got this creepy mustache. Yeah. I do think he's but uh, good. He is. Bring it on was two thousand. Oh, so, so it was right after this movie. Yeah, I don't know when. It was filmed or when this was filmed, like the actual separation. But Mm -hmm. she looked pretty close to bring it on Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, Um, it's weird. It's weird watching her play a 14 year old. It is. It is really bizarre because she looks older than the other sibling, her other siblings. Yes. When they're introducing all the girls at the beginning, it's like so-and-so is 13. And then Kirsten Dunst comes out and like 
wiggles her hair and I'm like, oh, nice. And they're like, she's 14. I was like, ooh, no, not nice. Mm-hmm. Gross. Yeah, like- that's weird. <laughs> and it and Trip or Josh Hartnett's supposed to be 17? Yeah. Okay. What was his name? Trip Fontaine. Trip Fontaine. <laughs> he seduced the teachers. Uh, it was gross. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's just that high school stuff, though. That stuff didn't. Everybody, every high school has that guy. It well, of course, of course. And in our high school, it was Carolyn. It was me. Yep, I was that guy <laughs> with that haircut. Yeah, triangle hair for the win. Oh, did you see like the super fat tie at the dance? No. Oh, so one of the not Hayden Christensen, one of the other two guys that they go, the girls go to prom mm-hmm. with, had the thickest tie. Like it, I, it was like half of his chest thick. Uh, yes, these were not the days of the skinny tie, I guess, no. or the bolo tie. We don't, as we said before, we weren't alive in the seventies. We were decades away from being born. <laughs> so this fat, <laughs> our parents hadn't even thought no, of us. So <laughs> this clothing does not make sense to us in any way. <laughs> Which is why I had to Google it because I was like. Ew, their parents put them in this stuff for a party. And then I saw what the boys were wearing. And I was like, oh, everyone's wearing that stuff for the party. Okay. You see, I just don't think about it because then it confuses me. And then I lose track of the movie because I'm just like, what? Why are, why are these decisions that anybody made ever? Yeah. At least with the girls. Who was Hayden Christensen in this movie? He was um one of the girl, boys who took them to the prom. He was the smart one. There is a smart one. Remember how there was the guy who brought the weed and the guy who brought the car? And then there was the other one. That was Hayden Christensen. He's very, like, round-faced. Looks very young. He looks like he's about 16. Yeah, that's... He probably was. Mm. He he didn't have a big part, but he was in there. I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, what? (laughs) You went back and Googled it? Uh, Well, no, I... In the opening credits. You just used your eyeballs. Yeah. And then I, when he showed up, I was like, that's definitely Hayden Christensen. Um, So in order to decide this, I think we should both type our answer in the chat. We're not going to have a fight to the death. Well, no, I just want to see what you pick without, I don't want to pick first and I don't want you to pick first in case one of us is like, well, I'll just pick that. So we don't have to have a fight. So if you just type your answer in the chat and then I will uh, count down. And then on three, we will. Uh, One second, I'm a slow typer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah. Um, and then on three, we'll both put enter, so it's an accurate way to do it instead of you know avoiding stuff. So cheating on three. You just want to copy my answer. That's what's yeah, happening. Yeah, that's what Apple C Apple V. Um, <laughs> on three, uh, hit enter. So one, two, three. Okay, we agreed. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we both picked the virgin suicides. Yep. Sweet. That's also what was gonna happen if we didn't pick the same we... thing? Then it's a fight. Is your to the roommate net? home? No, she went to be active. She just went for a run. Did she have does she have her phone on her? Of course then she we does. We call her and tell her to pick one. So it's the Emma hotline. She hasn't seen either of these. Perfect. Movies. That's all we need. Actually, false. She saw half of no, not even half, maybe 20 minutes of the Virgin Suicides. And um, I was watching it uh, this morning. And so she was sitting on the couch, like eating something. And she saw me watching it on my laptop. And she was like, well, this is not as fun as the shark movie. And then left the room. So. <laughs> uh, 
she was like, ooh, Carolyn's watching something for her podcast. It's going to be fun. Nope. nope. Wrong movie. Uh, and we won't always use Emma if we do tie. We both have cell phones with numbers on them, and we'll just call somebody and ask them to pick a movie. Yep, it's phone a friend, and we don't care if they've seen it nope, or not. Nope, that seems like the fairest way to do things. I think so, based solely on um, pulling a name out of thin yep. air. Uh, sometimes it will be a Mugen, which will be hilarious because she'll have seen none of these movies because she was like <laughs> seven when these movies came out. So they'll all be over her head uh-huh. with the exception. Yep. And oh, no, I know what's going to happen. I just spoilers for future uh, when Tarzan is eventually against a movie. I don't want it to go ahead of. And Carolyn is nostalgic up with Tarzan. <laughs> yes. Uh, and if Mugen gets picked, then Tarzan will go through. Yes. Uh, no. You guys can't see our spreadsheet, but uh, I'm about to just put Tarzan as the Get winner out of, of Get everything. Get out of here. So. <laughs> um, Fight Club versus Deep Blue Sea, Tarzan no, Well, wins, I so. mean, maybe the only movie it would beat on here. <laughs> uh, the, I like how you're in the Tarzan box protecting yeah, it I'm, from my I'm violence. ready to hit delete. Um, <laughs> that's not true. I'm sure Tarzan will do okay. I'm... Hopeful it won't get out of its uh, bracket, but who knows? Maybe it will, <laughs> and it will be the bane of me. I'm. We're not there yet, but the one I'm least looking forward to is uh, Star Wars Episode One. Yeah. Yes, with Baby Anakin. <sighs> it's just so long. Yeah, but what's her face? Oh, Natalie Portman Helping. when she was being Natalie when Portman. she was dating. Moby? I'm saying dating with quotation marks. Isn't Moby old? Yeah, they were dating because they hung out a couple times. Oh. And she didn't know, but Moby thought they were dating. It's a thing in the news right now. Oh. You should not. You should read about it because she just absolutely roasts him. <laughs> I love Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> she, Moby was 37 and she was like 18. Oh, God. And he thought they were dating? Yeah. Ew. As always. Men are creepy. (laughs) So speaking of men are creepy, next week or next podcast, what are we talking about, James? Uh, I don't know which movie is about creepy men. You've kind of left. It's definitely not Boys Don't Cry. Um, Is it? There is a lot of creepy men in that movie, actually. I haven't seen Boys Don't Cry. I thought that was about. I thought Hilary Swank was the lead in it. I don't know what this movie is about. The leads aren't creepy. It's the the not leads that are the problem. And uh, so it's Boys Don't Cry against a certainly creepy movie called The Blair Witch Project, which will make Carolyn spooked. Yeah, I've never seen it. Well, you're in for... Make Emma watch that with you. (laughs) Not a chance. Maybe I'll just make it a date. I'll find someone to date me just to watch this movie. Call up your mom and be like... Mom, I need to talk about uh, 70s with you and then just show her the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Is this what it was yeah, like Mom, growing up? Yeah, this hairdo. <laughs> uh, uh. As one, uh, so it's Boys Don't Cry versus the Blair Witch Project. And then the other two movies are The Insider, which is a Michael Mann movie, versus Summer of Sam, which is the Spike Lee movie. Right. And I see. And we're at the point where... Boys Don't Cry is a fifth seed and Blair Witch is a twelfth. So that's a distance. And then we have fourth and 13th with the Insider and Summer of Yeah, Sam. if anybody's so. ever seen a March Madness bracket, they'll understand. If you are mm-hmm. have a, a allergy to sports like Carolyn. Me. 
uh, then we'll give you the numbers. So we have both ends of the mm-hmm. spectrum here. I understand sports. Carolyn understands Watches fashion. Them. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to learn from your mom. Uh, oh, yes. Sorry. I need to call my mom and then I'll know about fashion. Because yeah, 70s fashion, I think, is back. Is it? I thought it was 90s. No. I mean, I was at a 90s party yesterday, and it was basically like, you know when it's all your friends and they dress in like a theme, you're like, oh yeah, this is fine because I know them as humans and this is not them as humans. But I was literally surrounded by like my middle school nightmare or something with all these high ponytails and crop tops. And I didn't know any of these people. So it was like, who's really okay, one we of need these to unpack. We need to unpack this. <laughs> we, need to, we need to unpack this. How many fanny packs were there? Um, You know what? Not enough, given that fanny packs have made a resurgence. Uh, w- but how were the fanny packs being worn? Were they being worn like your dad cook at a barbecue or as the fuck boy that walks yes. down the street? Yeah, not across the chest. Oh. They were across <laughs> the fanny. They were across the fanny? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but so, and w- were the shirts tucked in? Every boy had their shirt tucked oh, in. Oh, man. And actually, a lot of the boys were wearing fannies. None of the girls were wearing fannies. Did, did anybody show up dressed as 90s, but as 90s fashion now? Um, Surprisingly, maybe only one. And that's because grunge from the 90s is basically uh, a dirty hipster now. So <laughs> Wow, dirty. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, like, okay, hipsters these days are so um, carefully curated with like the mustaches with the mustache or oil and stuff like that. So not one of those ones, one of the lazy ones. Okay. Like me. I'm trying to save me. So for everybody so. who doesn't understand, Carolyn lives in a big city, like the like <laughs> one of the five biggest cities in North America and the biggest in Canada. Uh, so she has way more exposure to that type of person, whereas I live in Calgary, uh-huh. which is just like the Texas of Canada. It's just plaid and cowboy hats all the time. It's not. It's really not. Let's not. Let's not (laughs) put that out there because, I mean, there are those people. There's just less of us here, so it's like not as visible. Most of the time, it's just like your regular like blue jeans and blah shirt combo for everybody. Yeah, my favorite uh, time of year to introduce new people to Alberta is stampede time because they think they've been transported to another world. Don't change the subject from your uh, 90s. We haven't even discussed what you wore for your 90s party. Oh, I didn't dress for the party because I didn't intend to go. I didn't. But what I would have worn would have been a band (laughs) t-shirt. No, a band t-shirt with a plaid shirt around the waist a la grunge 90s. And chucks or whatever. Were those a thing? Chuck, then? Chucks have been chucks are what people used to play basketball in in like the fifties. No, I know, but I feel like those became popular. Mm, As I'm sure everybody's dying to know. What shoes did people wear in the nineties? Is what I'm about to Google. <laughs> I feel like chucks were mid two thousands. Maybe just because we were a bit young in the nineties. A bit young. I mean, I wasn't wearing chucks when I was seven. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I was nine when the nineties ended. Yeah, yeah, and you that's were the fair. and you were the, seven. The party theme was party like it's nineteen ninety three. So, so so my James, Google image results. Tell us about the shoes. I, it's loading. They're all very chunky, which I expected. It's what people would now would call dad shoes. <laughs> it's like those type of sneakers, um, and like Vans and 
I guess Chucks, like Converse and Vans, but they're all very chunky shoes. Like they're big and they look kind of heavy, that sort of thing. But those shoes are now back in style. So they're all kind of like, I'm just looking at photos that have been updated. Yeah. It doesn't really tell me. When I Googled 90s clothes yesterday, it's the same thing. Ladies shoes have thick heels. Mm -hmm. They're not like thin pointy heels. They're like thick. It's funny when people think 90s, they think like fun and neon and crop tops and high ponies, which is true. But when I think 90s, I think of like the pictures of my parents um, wearing like the baggy college sweaters or like, you know, that windbreaker that everyone had that was like, yes, all sorts of weird colors. (laughs) Yes. That and like the big round glasses and uh, yeah, dad shoes. On moms as well. Everyone had the dad shoes Were and mom you, would, jeans. Would your jeans be ripped for your costume? Uh, my mother's were not. No, for your 90s grunge look, would your jeans be ripped? Ooh, that's a good question. Probably? I mean, I they kind of have to be, right? You kind of have to look like you've been... I just Googled women's Living 90s grunge, and this lady is wearing Converse in them. So I think Chucks would have been... Chucks were a thing. Huh. But what, so that, what, I'm still, I'm still staggered by the mustache. I still haven't really recovered from that revelation. Oh, um, there's some hipsters here who kind of look like pioneers, you know, like they've, they're so new age that they've reached the 1800s mustache. I'm sorry. I I can't speak right now. (laughs) It's like your shirt's buttoned all the way to the top. You're probably wearing suspenders and with like shorts um like almost like a leader hosen but like longer shorts than that and they're probably brown carolyn um yeah do you hang out with the whitest These people are, the <laughs> are all yeah. these people incredibly white yeah. are they the people who like find out your name is like for example i know you hate this but your last name's dunk and they find out you're watching basketball uh-huh. and they would just be like oh and then make dunk jokes that you've heard a million times and then you want to kill them. No, see, I think you're looking for bros. Bros would do that. These people no, are- No, it's a um, dad joke. It, it is a dad joke, but hipsters don't make dad jokes because because they're too busy drinking their- um, Wine spritzers? You know, fair trade import coffee, you know? <laughs> fair trade so. import coffee. 